Hey, tonight, though, we have uh, Pastor Don Dukes. Um, yeah. Let's give him a big Calvary welcome. Uh, he was uh, one of the pastors at uh, Calvary Chapel Skyline. And just recently, uh, Pastor Don Dukes, um, God's calling him into another ministry. And he's going to explain that ministry to you. And he is going to come and preach and give us the word of God. Come on up, Pastor Don. Good. I love it. You know, one thing I love about uh, you folks is that you guys are just the Holy Ghost hop. You know what I'm saying? You guys are just, you're lit up and you love the word of God and all. But, um, and I was telling Brett here, I was telling him because he's a tall, handsome rascal. And I said, you know, I said, I said, you know, you must be Rob's sergeant at arms. You know, he's a sergeant at arms and every man need that. And so he said, I don't know. But then he put his arm around me and, and, uh, and prayed for me. And, and, and I like guys that stature because I only weigh 150 pounds. So what I do is that I, I'll pounce on guys like that and they'll toss me around. And I love it. I love it. I love it. By one arm, mind you, they'll do that. But hey, my name is Don Deuce. Brief introduction. Uh, I moved here to Thousand Oaks about three years ago from Whitefish, Montana. So believe it or not, out of the Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale, I was there for many years, from janitor to all the things, the next thing. I, I never really wanted to be a pastor, but God boomeranged me in through the back door. Amen. He did, because my dad was a pastor, and I said, I don't think I want to do that. I'll just work for FedEx. He was like, nope, I'm going to deliver you right to the pulpit. And uh, that's how I got boomeranged in this thing called the ministry, if you will. Then the Macedonia call. I think you guys heard of Pottersfield Ministries. Well, then, uh, well, through the call of them and, and, and the... And Mike, you know, he can sell ice to an Eskimo. So he, he um, pursued me for two years, the Macedonia call. My wife and I went there. I pastored the Calvary Chapel of Whitefish, Montana, got community involved, got the churches together. We prayed every Thursday. Five pastors became chaplains. We worked with the police department. Um, I inherited an old 68 sitting out there from a wonderful Christian lady, used that in the community as well. And uh, we were community involved there for eight years. And then uh, Manuel Lee was called uh, three years ago and said, hey, would you come and help us? And by the way, the weather's nicer, so come on out. So came out, served here, uh, served there faithfully, and as of a couple of weeks ago, in between assignments. But I have a ministry called Prayer for the Harvest Ministries that I got my 501c3 for uh, uh, in, in 2007. I did. And I will go around and preach in the pulpits of the ministry of love and prayer and grace took the pulpits for pastors that were out of town or busy doing things. That it's a fancy word called pulpit supply. In other words, standing in for those guys who were out. When the economy hit in 08, um, then it just, all the churches stopped calling. So believe it or not, I took up car detailing in the winter in Montana. Yeah. So, and believe it or not, believe it or not, and, and God took care of us through that. And my wife, beautiful wife, Ileana, she's a fitness instructor, and she worked at the Aquatic Center, and did that. She's helping everybody to say, Ileana's in the back. Ileana, can you say hi to everybody? She's a beautiful, tall Brazilian lady, and uh, look at her. She's amazing, and she keeps us in, in shape. And then I have a 14-year-old daughter who just started at um, Hillcrest Christian School. God opened a door through some Christians for Juliana to go to a Christian school. It means the world to us. So I'm here today, and I came to visit you all last week. You all are going through the book of Acts. I'm like, oh, that's really great, and, uh, and I'm trying to hide from Rob. So he's like, hey, is that Pastor Don back there? No. And, and, and so I had to stand up, and you all welcome me. And he came up. He says, oh, by the way, why don't you come and speak for me? I'm out of town. Okay. And so here we are tonight to hang with you. So um, with that brief introduction, um, would you all please, if you have a Bible with you, um, if you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. I see a very handsome young man, and he's got some Bibles 
And he's pretty strong too. He can toss him pretty far. He doesn't have to walk. He can, and he's pretty accurate from what I've heard. He can toss you once, like the old baseball game things, days. And if you would please turn uh, to, to two, a couple of places. We're going to go to several places tonight. But if you can please turn to um, Colossians chapter 1, and we'll look at uh, verses 15 through 23. And then we'll, if you would save a place there and, uh, and go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 12 through 21. So it's Colossians chapter 1. Verse 15 to 23, and then also 2 Corinthians chapter 5, um, verses uh, 12 through 21, and then we hit a couple more. And um, the, yeah, if you want to give a title to our, our study tonight, um, it's called um, the, the Power of Prayer, Continuous Reconciliation in Our Lord Jesus Christ. Continuous Reconciliation in Our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus has reconciled us. It, it, when he says it is finished, it is finished. We can't add to that. We can't add to it. Yet as believers, because we all know as human beings, we leak. We leak. So we need to be filled all the time with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that true? So let's open up in prayer a bit, and then we'll, we'll, have that, we'll have our time together. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so very much, Lord, for the word of God. Your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We pray now that you would encourage your people, uh, that you would build us up, that we can make a difference in this community. We need salvation, Lord. We, we need you desperately. Um, it's not by might nor by power, but by your spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Lord, minister to your people. And for Pastor Rob, as he is out, we pray that you would encourage him, build him up, give him favor, that he will come back and make a, even a, a bigger impact uh, on this community and this wonderful congregation. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you for forgiving us, loving us, and caring for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 I always say amen and women too. How about that? <laughs> so anyway, um, the ministry that uh, I started a while back called Prayer for the Harvest Ministry, and the ministry to, no matter what I share and speak on, the ministry to encourage men and women to pray all the time. Continue to do it. Continue to cry out to God. The Bible says the righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them and delivers them from all of their fears. So the power of prayer. We've heard many messages on prayer, and you can read books on prayer. You go online. There are many, uh, many, many ministries that will help you with your prayer life, prayer devotionals and things. But tonight, I just want to share practically with you tonight. So when we think about power, think about the word power. If you think about the word power, many folks will think about, okay, power. Well, um, government. Government has power. Uh, No matter what we think of, what the government is or or who they are and what they do, they have power. Um, But those of you who are NASCAR fans, you see these cars have power, don't they? I can't imagine getting in a car filled with nitroglycerin and blaring around all over the place. Couldn't imagine that. Now you got the nuclear weapons concern that is happening in the world right now. There's power there, too. Practically speaking, what about an employer, a boss, someone over you? Well, they have the power to hire and fire. But is it power or is it authority? Is it power or is it authority? So if we think about it, someone that has power, they usually also have authority. Authority. They have authority. If not then how can they be an authoritative person? So we're going to 
examine these things, and we're going to look at it. So as, as, as Christians, we have authority and we have power, but who does that extend from? It extends from Pastor Jesus, doesn't it? Pastor Jesus Christ. Now, you have presidents that have power, and if, and if one president will want to go in and invade another country, and if that president of that country that is being invaded, if they are po- more powerful, then they're going to defeat the country of lesser power. But our president is who? President is Jesus Christ, isn't it? Because he is king of kings and lord of lords. Prince of peace, lord of lords. So in Colossians chapter 1, and, uh, and starting here in verse, in verse 15, it says now, it says that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or what, folks? Powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile. Now, keep that word reconcile uh, in your heart because we'll talk a little bit about that throughout. Reconcile all things to himself. By him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you, and I love this part, who once were alienated and enemies in your mind, By the wicked works, yet now he has reconciled, there's that word again, reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. You see, it says in verse 18, it says right here, it says, and he is the head of the body of the church. And then in verse 17, it says, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. That means if you ever hear the phrase, hold it together, baby. Jesus is the one that holds it all together. And, and you see people that say, they say, well, hang in there. Keep a stiff upper lip. You're going to hang in there and keep a stiff upper lip. You're going to look like an orangutan doing that. No, Jesus Christ holds it all together. And he has the preeminence. Now, he reconciled us. And he being the one who reconciled us, it says here that we are blameless in his sight. And we continue steadfast in the faith and we are grounded and steadfast. He holds it together. So God is the one that reconciled us and we're reconciled to God through his son, who is his son, Jesus Christ. We cannot add on to what Jesus has already done. 
Now, being believers, and a lot of us have been churchgoers for a while, we can tend to get into a performance mentality. I mean, read that Bible more, be at church every time the door is open. I go out and evangelize everyone that I can. I'm a shoe in. But that's, that's just like saying that, well, you know, because my, my great, 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 great grandmother and my great grandmother and all of those folks before me, uh, uh, they, they're all saved. And so, <laughs> of course, heaven, I'm a shoe in. I'm going to go to heaven by proxy. For me, my dad was a pastor for many years, and now he's in heaven now. I did his funeral, his home going, and it was an amazing uh, seat in 2000. Say goodbye, Dad. We'll see you in heaven. He was an avid tennis player. He was a tennis-playing pastor. He would have his robe on. Now, this is a funny thing. He, he'd, have, he'd have his robe on, and he'd preach. And, and, and if you ever seen inner-city preachers, boy, he preach. And he would preach, and he would be sweating, and, and, and he has his handkerchief, and then a handkerchief, and he'd, he'd be really, he, dad be really preaching, and then the, and then the deaconess, you know, they're all they're rocking, and, and then, then, the, then the deacons, and, and I mean, the, we, we were just really, now as a kid, I didn't know what to do. I said, now, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in here, and I just don't want them to haul off and hit me, you know I mean? I didn't know what, you know, I, I didn't know what to do. I, I just had to go to church because dad's a pastor. So I, I'm sitting there, and they're really rocking, and these type of things, Well, when dad got done preaching, and then he would have a meeting with some of the church people. The church people used to get on his last nerve. The Bible said that we, we have the fruits of the Spirit, nine fruits, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so sometime, when, whenever he would meet with some of the church folks and they would tap dance on his last fruit, okay, they would do that to him. So instead of him yelling at the church body or, 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 or coming at them from the pulpit with angry words, what he would do is that he would preach. And now listen, underneath his robe, he, he, he had on his his tennis outfit, all right, because the black shoes would be on, so you think he's all dressed up. So he would preach, and after he got done, and dad drove, now let's see if you remember this car. He drove a Reliant K. Okay, car, Plymouth car, there you go. Yeah, it's, it's old school, sister, whatever. So he had the trunk open, backed up to the parsonage, and then he would go, the deacon and deaconess would do their work, and then he would take off his robe throw it in the trunk, along with his tennis rackets and tennis balls, and dad would drive right to Chris Everest Lloyd's tennis courts. And he would play tennis like a banshee. Um, he had diabetes, he was type 1, and he would just play and then that would keep him. And his backhand was clocked at 93 miles per hour. So he would come down low with the spin. So you know that's why I had to be a good kid. I was skin and bones. If I got hit by a 93-mile-an-hour hand, I would break into pieces and fly all over the parking lot. So, of course, I had to be a good kid. You know, uh, gee whiz, man, like 80 pounds wet, and I, and I had to do this thing. But the thing is that we're so accustomed to performing for God that we don't realize that we've already been reconciled to him through his son, Jesus Christ. It's all about the grace of God, the grace of God. You see, Jesus is in the business of, of consistently reconciling us to himself. Now, we've been reconciled through Christ, yet as believers, we have a part to play in that we walk toward the Lord through the reading of the word. We walk toward the Lord through prayer. We walk toward the Lord through fellowship. A good friend of mine, rock and roll friend of mine, his name is Pastor Keith Pintar of Calvary Chapel, Jacksonville. He's no rock and roller. He goes around and he rocks out for Jesus. You know what I mean? And, uh, and the one thing he said to me on the phone a couple of years ago, he said, Don, there is no ship like fellowship. 
There's no ship like fellowship. One man put it this way. He said, fellowship? Well, it's just a couple of guys in the ship. And see, and that's why it is so important to be with the body of Christ and to be in the body of Christ. So that we will be, we will be built up. He's in the ministry of reconciliation. Now, let's look at um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I had you go there. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And, and look at the Apostle Paul here. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 12. Listen to this. And he writes this. It says, for we do not commend our, ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. Or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Your attention for a minute. The gospel, when we talk to people, we can share with them, Jesus died for your sins. Jesus died for your sins. We tell, we tell people, Jesus died for your sins. Jesus died for your sins. But there are times that we forget to remind people to tell them the other part of the gospel, that he died for our sins and he rose again. The rising again is the gospel. The go- Listen, the gospel was written that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and in believing we may have life in his name. Believing. It is incumbent upon men and women to believe. Not that we come to church more, or not that we do a lot of religious things more. It is to believe. And as Americans, it is hard to think that we can get something for free. Listen, we moved to California three years ago. What I realized is that they'll tax you for the air you breathe. You, got, you, you get taxed for the roads. You get taxed for everything. And when we first moved here, I think gas prices were like four seventy-five or something. And, and Pastor Manny let me use his little red car. I said, thank God. If I had to drive a van or a pickup truck, oh, my goodness. What I, so I remember pulling up and I said, Lord, you're going to move me to the most expensive state in the union. I said, God, I know you're perfect, but are you crazy? I can't afford this gasoline. And I remember the Lord tapping on me and said, look, every good and perfect gift comes from me. Don't worry about it. And so we, we move here. We do the Beverly Hillbillies thing. Actually, no, the smoking the bandit thing. Because I'm driving. Funny, we pulled in here July 4th, 2012. So I'm driving this 26-foot U-Haul truck. We got a two-bedroom apartment. How are you going to fit all that in there? I don't know. But we, we, we drove. And then I'm driving, and then there's a minivan on a trailer. And then my wife is driving the Mercury Mountaineer. So we're doing the smoking the bandit thing coming here. And the cat's over here with me. My wife and the baby, they're in there, and we're here, and we come here. Now, we pull in here. You all about to start the fireworks. Now here's, now, here's my thinking. I'm pulling in on Moore Park, getting ready to turn in there on Wilbur, right? Everybody's there. They're all watching the fire. You know what I thought? I thought all the people on the curb were there to welcome us. I did. So because, and they were looking at me. They were looking at us. I'm like, I said, and, and I got on the little phone. I said, Ileana, the people are there to welcome us. Look at all the people. Well, the reason why they looked at me sideways is because they wanted me to move that truck out of the way so they can see and I was like, oh, because some of them, because some of the eyebrows are up. I'm like, you know, they don't look too happy. So I moved the truck, put it over here, illegal parked in the whole nine yards and did all that. And then we get here. And I, and I said, wow. Now I get here. As soon as I get here, the gas prices start going down. I said, God, thank you, Jesus. 
God, you truly are in control. But then let's, let, let's continue on verse 16. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Yet now we know him thus no longer. Now, your attention for a second. Be- before uh, Paul's conversion, he was Saul at the time, he did not want to have a Christ that had been crucified. Because remember now, he was a very he was a religious man. So a Christ crucified, I'm not going to serve a crucified Christ. No, I'm, I'm religious. Remember, I, I was on the road to Damascus to serve papers to arrest Christians. I don't want to crucify Christ. But listen to this. Now, as before, and before writing this, he is now a believer. And because he's a believer, he knows now that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, our Savior. Therefore, Paul began to say things like this. I boast in my weaknesses. Now, let me ask you all something. Some of you all watch sports, right? Soccer, the National Football League, and all these type of things. What sports person do you know that would get on ESPN and boast in their weaknesses? I don't think so. Because when those players, now, I like the pigskin too. But they're running in that, and that, as soon as they run into the, the, the end zone with the pigskin, what are the first thing they do? They turn into King Kong. <laughs> me. Look at that. That's it. You go, you go to Lambeau Field, they, you, the players run, and they jump up in the stands. They just run, and, and they beat on a helmet. They have to wear a helmet because those fans will beat you to death. <laughs> They're so happy. But the Apostle Paul said, but I boast in my weaknesses. I boast in them. So therefore, look at verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. Now, all things are of God who has, there's the R word again, reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Your attention for a minute. Ministry. Each and every one of us sitting in this room tonight on this midweek night, do you know that you all are ministers and ladies, you are ministerettes? I just made that up. But we are all ministers. How many of you, now very few of you have heard of this pastor's name. How many of you have heard of Pastor Warren Wearsby? A couple of you have. Maybe a couple of you have. Not many of you. But Warren has been around for a long time. And I've been doing this thing called ministry. And I said, you know what? I'm doing a calling I don't even know the definition of. How would I define ministry? Well, it's preaching. Well, it's the pastor preaching. And it's children's ministry, parking ministry, coffee ministry. Uh, custodial ministry, hang up people's hat ministry. That's what it is. But you always hear the word ministry after whatever it is that we're doing. So what does ministry mean anyway? So what I did was I adopted the definition of ministry from Pastor Warren Wearsby. He gave a good definition, and here it is. Ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. And a good illustration of that is in Acts chapter 3. Ministry takes place when divine resources. Peter and John said, silver and gold we do not have, but what we have we give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Do you know before he grabbed his hand to pull him up, he had to pray and say, God, please make this work. Imagine you and I standing in that. And we're empowered by God, and we're going to take this man who's been there for almost 40 years. 
ministry take place when divine resources meet human needs. The human need was the man begging alms. And in that day, begging alms was an honorable profession. Today, we see people with signs and we'll, sometimes we're chagrin or sometimes we'll give a dollar or whatever. But then they say, well, at least he's asking. And the people who came to the synagogue, they had money, so they would give it to him. So ministry take place when divine resources re- meet human needs through loving channels. Who are the loving channels? Peter and John. Silver and gold we do not have, but what we have we give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Lord, please help him walk. Please, we don't want to be embarrassed. Ministry take place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. When he started to walk, folks, what does the Bible say that he did? He didn't actually walk. The Bible says he ran leaping, jumping, and praising God. He's running, leaping, jumping. So imagine now you've done ministry. You help somebody. They're happy. You're going now on to minister to other people, and you got this man behind you doing this, just jumping everywhere. And it's like, who is this jumping bean? Well, hey, this jumping bean was the guy that's been laying in front of you for 38 years. You should be happy about that. But the people started to worship Peter and John. Peter and John said, why are you so amazed? Why are you amazed that that this has happened? This is the Lord that did this. That's what ministry is. So, folks, the ministry of reconciliation belongs to all of us. See? So then it says, that is, verse 19, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses against them. Now, I circled the word word imputing in my Bible, and I wrote the word um, attributing and counting their sins against them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. I circled the word reconciliation in my Bible. My Bible has so many circles. It's a wonder I can even read it. But reconciliation, I wrote next to that in my Bible, to make or to make agree or fit, to make friendly again, to settle a quarrel. That's what God did. Jesus settled the quarrel. You you had our sin and you had a holy God. So Jesus reconciled us so we don't have the wrath of God. Why? Because he took that wrath on the cross, on the tree, so that you and I don't have to. Can you imagine God striking your car because you have a little bit of road rage? I saw that on YouTube, by the way. A man went to a church and stole some items from the church. He was driving his little car, a camera is on, on the police car, chasing this guy. As this police car is chasing, about to come up to him, a lightning bolt struck the car and blew it up. It did. I, yes, ma'am. I saw it with all, with all of my glasses and my peepers. I, well, hey. And it's interesting, and the title under that says something about don't mess with God or don't touch the church or something like that. So, so on the police camera, we're, I'm watching this thing, and I'm like, what's going to happen? The, what do you mean don't mess with God? And the lightning bolt hit the car, and the car exploded. Now, I can't explain that. I don't know what's up with that. <laughs> but I will say this. It might, must Just don't steal from the church. Leave, you know, be, be nice to the people. Don't steal from the church. The car's exploded, and the police car stopped. And the cop, he just, he just sat there, you know? But here's the thing about it. God's wrath was totally taken by his son Jesus on the cross. 
So when we come to God in prayer, see, prayer is, prayer is not an exercise. Prayer is a lifeline. I saw the movie the other day, The War Room, about prayer. And I tell you what, um, I wanted to go and just clean out my closet. <laughs> One of the best movies of prayer I've ever seen in my life. And it's good to see Christian movies uh, not being uh, corny a hokey, a bad writing. It was very well done. And it encouraged me, a guy, we have a prayer ministry that when I'm feeling low or I'm feeling tired and don't want to do it anymore. Because see, sometimes when we're praying for something for a long time, here's what happens. We get tired, especially when it's been a long time we've been praying for a healing, a relationship. Maybe we're praying for a spouse. Maybe we're praying to God to bring us someone. Maybe we're praying for whatever the case may be. And when I had five doctors diagnose me with cancer in 2002, I had a lot of people praying for me. It was an autoimmune system disease that hit me, and five doctors thought it was cancer. It was this thing called sarcoidosis or whatever. It's an autoimmune system thing. And I'm laid up there in the hospital. I've got all these tubes and stuff. I'm skinny as a bean pole. I've got on all these medications, prednisone. And then at the time, I didn't have much hair like now. But then the steroids kind of made my hair grow out. I kind of look like a Gia pet. So I'm, so I'm laying in the bed. You know, you got Gia happening over here. And I'm thinking, well, you know, if it's going to do that to my hair, then maybe it's going to help my little muscles. And you know, I look like Popeye the Sailor Man. Maybe something will happen in here as a result of all this nonsense that I'm going through. But I got to tell you something. The church, here's the thing. The church from not only those who knew me from Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale. Some of you know it's a big old church down there. But here's the thing. The church in Brazil was praying for me. The Chuck Smith of, of, of Brazil was praying for me. And they got like 30,000 people, and they were just praying. He happened to be in town when I fell ill. My wife brought me to the ballroom where he was at a hotel, and his name is Pastor Stefan. Now, you know how it is that when we anoint people at oil, we have these little vials, and then we, we kind of take a little bit, and then a little dab of do you? You know, it's just kind of in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know what? These Brazilians didn't play. This man had a big bowl of oil. I, I kid you not, Pastor, he had a big one. And he stuck his big hand in there, and he went around that like the bowl like that, and he took it out dripping with oil. And me, and I, and I got a small face, and he's got a big hand. And he just went, pow, and and I, and I kid you not, no exaggeration, he rubbed me down like a greasy pig. I just wanted to just oink out of there. I mean, he just rubbed me good. He rubbed the stick man. He rubbed me good. He did. And he and he and he prayed for me. And they have, they have lady pastors too. And then they came around. Now, they were praying for me in Portuguese. But here's the thing. Although I did not understand the language, I felt that I understood in my spirit everything they were saying. They got, a whole, they got around me, and they, they're like you, very exciting. You're one of the most exciting Wednesday night people I've ever seen in my life. You're tired, you had a long day, but you're here. PTL, praise the Lord. So Pastor Stephan rubbed me down, and I went through, my eye was bulged out. Long story short, I went through all these things, biopsies and all that. God healed me. My daughter was turning one years old. The churches around the world now, and they put the word out, and so they are praying for me. They're praying for me. Long story short, time comes. I visit Florida again. God healed me after a year or so. Healed me, took me off all nine medications and healed me. I'm alive. I'm here today, and I'm I'm walking and these type things because of all the things that God has done uh, for me. 
Now I run into Pastor Stefan again. This time he didn't have a big bowl of oil to rub the skinny man down up here. He didn't. He walked in. He said, do I know you? I recognize you. I said, you prayed for me and you rubbed me down like a, like a little greasy pig. You rubbed me down. You all prayed for me and I'm healed now. Just so happened that day he was doing a simulcast to three other countries of ministry. He brought me up to give testimony, simulcast to three other countries of the healing of God in my life. And then he looked at me and gave me a hug and says, brother, praise the Lord. And, and people had their eyes all choked up and stuff. And I had a translator. See, I talk so fast anyway, you think I speak Portuguese. But anyway, he had a translator translate that. And the body of Christ was encouraged through all that pain. I remember walking up because of the power of prayer. I remember walking up out of the hospital. And at the time, Pastor Coy at the time, he, he said, Don, look, I believe that God has given you a message for our church. It's Wednesday night. And at that Wednesday night, about 3,000 people would show up to church every Wednesday night. And then I went there and I said, look, I can't even stand up. He said, we'll give you a stool, but I want you to preach the word about what the Lord has done to heal you. And so I got up there. I said, no stool is needed. So I walk up there and I remember I, remember I was wearing blue. My, my mother-in-law from Brazil is a seamstress. She took in all of my pants. Now I'm already a rail, so she took them in even more. And then I was wearing my uh, peanuts and Snoopy tie. I remember that. And I went up there and, and I said, God, and then God preached. And then many people came and gave their lives to Christ that night. A lady visiting for, from Sweden, a grandmother from Sweden, happened to be sitting in the audience. And then she came and gave her life to Jesus Christ that night. And I said, Lord, you did all that for this. I said, Lord, I praise you. Please, let's not do this again. Okay, can we do it some other way? Is there any other way? It's like Jesus. He said, Father, if it be thy will, take this cup from me. Not thy will, but yours be done. I didn't say uh, not, not my will, but yours be done. I said, Lord, help. See, we are reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. He is in the business of reconciling us. He's in the business of us coming to him. Jesus even said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, come all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you more burdens. No, he said, I will give you rest. Now, the Bible says that Jesus is forever at the, at the, at the um, right hand of the Father, forever interceding for us. Why is he forever interceding for us? He's forever interceding for us because we forever need it. We forever need it. The early church was linked to the knowledge of the one, capital O, true God. He is represented as one that is powerfully at work in history, creating a people for himself, redeeming them, redeeming us through the work of the Lord Jesus on the cross. Defeating death by raising Jesus from the grave and empowering us to lead a holy life and to fulfill the mission he has given us. Now, in Colossians 2.15, listen to this word here. It says this. Now, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them and he triumphed over them in it. The cross triumphed over you see, you cannot kill the one who cannot die, and that one is Jesus Christ. People try to kill him in the media. They try to kill him in, in, in government. And, you know, that's why I pray for the United States of America. I say, Lord, please bring this country to his knees back to you. Y'all, let's pray for the United States of America. 
This young man, Jeff, that is here tonight, he he saw my my American pin uh, on my lapel right here. And when I jump in that 68 Chevy and I go driving around and stuff and people talk about this little thing, I tell them, why do you wear this? Because we're praying for this country. We're praying that this country, some of you remember this guy, and this is a guy way back, and he will help Christians get out of debt. His name is Larry Burkett. Remember your money and changing times way before Dave Ramsey came? He was the Dave Ramsey of the time to help Christians get out of debt. And before he went to heaven, he said this. The reason why God has not judged the United States of America is because this. There are a few million Christians on our knees in prayer for this nation. There are few few million Christians. The primary purpose of Jesus' incarnation and death was to nullify the power of the devil and free those held in bondage to the devil. See, and that's why prayer is not a platitude, it's an attitude. You know what a platitude is? Let me read it to you. A platitude. A remark or statement, especially one with a moral content that has been used too often to be interesting or thoughtful. So that's why, folks, in church, when, when you say, I, hey, I'm praying for you, please mean it. Because what happens is, and I've been around church for a long time, we'll say Christianese things and we'll walk right out the door and we'll forget about it because we're thinking about In-N-Out Burger. I had one today. It was really good. You're in, you're out. I, and I don't have them. Uh, now, now, and when I first came here, they said, oh, you got to have one of those. I said, oh, that's no big deal. Well, you got to try it. And I try and I say, hmm, I think I'll come back. And so I go there and I see a lot of Christians running around and doing what they're doing and good food and all that. But, when, but prayer is an, an attitude, the attitude of the heart that says, God, I need you to work in this situation. I need you to work in my life. I need you to heal this person. I need you to help this person. A couple of more scriptures tonight because I want to spend some time in prayer with you tonight. I want you to go with me to Luke chapter 22. Go to Luke 22. Luke 22, and look at verse 31, please. Luke twenty two thirty one, And it reads this way. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Now, coming from the neighborhood, I will call it strengthen your brethren. But no, it's brethren. Strengthen them when you return to me. And he says, now, what does he mean? Like when you, when, when you have returned to me. In other words, Peter, when you have stopped leaning on your own understanding, when you stop leaning on your own strength, when you stop leaning on your own religiosity, when you have returned to me, the author and perfecter of your faith, what I want you to do now, I want you to go and reconcile your brothers. I want you to strengthen them. Strength, another word, to reconcile them. In other words, many times it's not the relationship with God that we have the problem with, it's the other human beings on the earth. People will say, well, my Christianity would be great if it wasn't for people. But here's the thing, God loves people more than anything. 
So the prayer is, Lord, give us a heart of compassion. You know, back in, in the 80s, I used to be a road rage guy. Now, let me ask you guys this question, practically. How in the world are you going to be a road raging guy with a Toyota Tercel? <laughs> here I am, the little brown man, here I am, and, and, I'm, and I got my little phone, and I got these big glasses like Steve Urkel. I've got this little tiny car. The horn is even annoying. You can't even hear. I mean, drain the battery blowing the horn. How in the wide world of sports are you going to be mean and angry with a little car and you got these big glasses on, almost as big as your windshield, and you're driving? <laughs> to some people who are driving bad in Florida, I was like a gnat in the face. What's that gnat? But no. Because, you know, I'm a Christian. I got rights. So I'm, I'm, I'm driving, you know, and you have to be aggressive in Florida on I-95. And, I'm, and I mean, I have the fastest Toyota Tercel. And I'm driving. I'm not driving like, I'm driving like this. Who am I boxing? Right? And here, I got Christian stickers on the back of the car. Jesus loves you. Prayer changes things. The Lord of hosts and all that kind of stuff. They're like, man, that's one angry Christian. I can't see him. The windows are tinted and... He's got a rust spot by the gas tank. What's going on? I had to tell you over the years, God has, in his mercy, has calmed all that down. With Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 on, that says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and what else? Self-control. Self-control. Because see, if it's not for that. So here's the thing. When, when, when he, he, he said, now, I, I prayed for you because the enemy wants to sift you as wheat. And it's, it's amazing that in the midst of our trials, tribulations, and temptations, what ends up happening when we finally come to our senses? What do we do? We return to Jesus, don't we? He said right here, look here in verse 32. I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me wholeheartedly, trusting in me and not your religious ways, strengthen your brethren. Strengthen them to do the same. Now, the Bible even speaks in Hebrews 7. It says that Jesus stands at the right hand of the Father forever making intercession for us. So see, that is power. And lastly, power given. He gives us power. I want you to look at me at, at, at Luke chapter 4. Go to Luke chapter 4. I'm going to close out with this. Uh, Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 31. Luke 4, 31. And it says, Then he, now that's Jesus, he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbaths. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with the A word, authority. Say that with me, authority. And now in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice saying, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him saying, be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in their midst, it came out of him and did not hurt him. 
Then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, what a word is what a word is this? This is for with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out and the report about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. See, even the people of Jesus, they recognize this, uh, this authority and power. So authority in the Greek means force or mastery. Power in the Greek, a lot of us know this word of dunamis, right? Have you heard the word dunamis? Dunamis, dunamis meaning force, miraculous power, ability, abundance. That's what happens when believers come to God in prayer on a regular basis. I don't know about you, but I can't change Thousand Oaks. But Jesus can. See, God changes things. Prayer is the one that changes us as we go to God, and it moves the heart of God when we cry out to him. We need more believers. We need more prayer warriors. We need more of the war room. Because in these last days, there are wars and there are rumors of wars. We have a supernatural God that is not only has only redeemed us from our sin, but also fights for us against the evil forces and darkness of this age. Satan's power is limited, but our God's power is limitless. So where does the power of prayer come from? Number one, it comes from heaven. Where our God reigns. He is God Almighty, all powerful, wise, all knowing, and everywhere. Number two, his heart, his heart. We are the apple of his eye. Now, folks, sometimes we don't feel like we're the apple of God's eye, do we? When we have failings or we make a mistake, there are times I just beat myself up. I don't feel like the apple of God's eye. I don't feel like an apple. I don't know. I, I feel like a, a stepped on potato. Something I don't know, I don't know. Uh, uh, I don't know. A uh, cracked carrot. I don't know. I, I I don't feel like that. Or a radish that's gone bad. But no, we are the apple. He was telling Israel that Israel, you're the apple of my eye. If 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 you would just listen to me, the things that I would do, I would have wooed you as a a mother hen, bringing in the hen, the henlings, if you will. But you would not. You would not listen. We are the apple of his eye and dear to his heart. He moves mountains and he calms the storms on our behalf. And how do we access that prayer? Well, prayer is the key that unlocks the storehouse of the infinite grace of God in the life of a Christian. His grace is grace. But we come to him. Jesus said, you come to me, all of you who are weary and tired, and I will give you rest. I'm going to give you rest. Tonight, before we leave here, that's why I ended early, um, if you as a brother or sister need prayer for anything, Brad and I, some of us, will be here, and we want to pray with you for whatever the burden is. We want to be able to lift you up as you prepare to go your way the rest of this week. You know, God healed me from asthma through prayer. I had asthma. I had it so bad that I was in oxygen tents, the old-fashioned oxygen tents. I mean, they were tents. They were huge. It was like I was in a mash unit. I'm like, what? And they had all this stuff. 
And I remember hearing sounds of ambulance and I would be afraid. God healed me of asthma to the point that I would do lawn care for five and a half years. And at the time I had hair, so I had a little bit of a fro. So when I was mowing and, and I would come home and my roommate Paul would look at me, he would start laughing. He'd say, Dukes, Look, look, look in the mirror. Look what's in your hair. I go, and then I've got lilies in my hair. i got like a dead bee in my hair. I, got, I, I had all these. I had dust in there. I had pollen. I had everything in there. And when I took a shower, I mean, I had a garden go down a drain. Now here's, now, here's where I didn't trust God. Check this out. All right. Back at the time, I would buy these $16 little spray things called primatine mist, right? Because... I felt that, well, if God didn't really heal me, I can go in, and I'm okay. Just in case God didn't show up. I bought two of those things. $35, which is a full tank of gas for a Ford Escort. I had a Ford Escort station wagon, all right? I can't believe it. I had a station wagon as as a single guy. Time went by. And all those and all those, those little primatine things, they expired. Expired. And I looked at the expiration date, and no audible voice, but I just felt God tapping on my heart to say this, Don, when are you going to trust that I've totally healed you? I threw those things away, mowed lawns, breathed in soot, not one asthma attack. God healed me from sarcoidosis. God healed me for asthma. And there's another healing that I believe in God for in my body for something else. But I am just very grateful to be here on the earth with my daughter, my wife, with all of you, I get to drive a, a 68 car. You know, I got a big old bear, brown bear sitting in there with a fedora on, and I wear my fedora, and I drive, and I just, I, I get people smiling, and I start talking to them. So I'll, I'll park the car and leave it and let people come in. Then I talk to people. If you need prayer tonight, we want to pray for you. We want to pray for you. So if the worship team is here, if you guys would come and just uh, play a couple of soft things, Brett, he'll be here, I'm here, and then we're going to go ahead and, and close up tonight. But if you need prayer, we'll be standing right here. What is the issue? Out of the heart flows the issue of life, and we want to pray for you before you leave out of here tonight. So for those of you who would like prayer, please come here. Don't be shy. Please do so. And then for those who really have to go, let me go ahead and, and close out in prayer for you right now. Heavenly Father, we pray right now. For all the men and women here tonight, we thank you that you reconcile us through your power, through your spirit. And Lord, we participate in the ongoing reconciling ourselves to you by coming to you on a regular basis to get off our heart, mind, and chest the things that would keep us from you. You've reconciled us. We're reconciled. Yet the ministry of reconciliation one to another and encouraging one another uh, to walk with you is paramount. So Lord, hear the prayers of your people. Go before them, heal them, help them, bless them, and minister to them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.